What I want to do this morning is really briefly talk about how to navigate Christmas with joy. How to navigate Christmas with joy. A uh, psychiatrist uh, said this. She said, it's not only the turkey that gets overheated at Christmas. (laughs) She says, family flare-ups are inevitable. A a group did a survey of 2,000 people to find out when people argue on Christmas Day. And they found that on average, people have five arguments on Christmas Day. The first argument, according to the survey, starts at 10.13 in the morning. I think that's an argument around getting up time, the difference between children's time and adult time. The next argument is at 12.42. Now, 38% of the people said at 12.42 the children start an argument because they're not happy with the presents that they received in the morning. So that's the 12.42 argument. Between 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock, there's another set of arguments, and about 45% of the people said between 1 and 3 in the afternoon, there's an argument. And they said the argument is about this. Mum is generally really stressed out about getting the Christmas dinner on the table. That's true. And Dad's drunk too much. (laughs) So that's what the survey said. They then say there's a a gap of arguing for about three hours. But at 6.05 in the evening, there's an argument around the remote control. And who gets the control... Call, you know, call the midwife or whatever else is on the other channels. <laughs> the next argument is 7.25, and apparently this is about grandparents wanting to play charades. Yeah. Or a board game. So there's an argument around which board game do we play. To wrap the whole day off, there's an argument at 10.15, and tempers flare up about this time because people are eating mince pies and drinking a little liqueur alcohol, which kind of sets them off to have their last argument before bedtime. So, (laughs) how to navigate Christmas then with a joyful heart? And the Bible says a joyful heart, a merry heart, does good like medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So how to navigate Christmas with the medicine of God, rather than a dried up spirit that can lead to multiple flare-ups. Joy is strength. Joy is strength. And Dr. God says, take joy three times a day. Now, if we went to our chemist and we said, you know what, I've got a sore throat, and the chemist said, take this spray three times a day, (coughs) we would place our faith and expectation in that spray, and we would take that spray three times a day. Dr. God says, a joyful heart, a merry heart, will do you good like medicine. And those who embrace the truth about joy have embraced a wonderful secret that God has hidden in the universe. It says in the Bible, they said to Samson, where does your strength come from? And no one could work it out, because obviously he must have looked like quite an ordinary guy. Because if he looked like the comic strips and he's all muscly, they kind of wouldn't be asking the question, where does your strength come from? 
The church can have a secret, and it's the secret that Nehemiah talks about. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That joy gives you strength. Joy gives you the ability to carry more. And joy increases your longevity. And so Proverbs is like a really good coach or a really good parent or a really good teacher. And it comes alongside us and tells us there's a way to live that can strengthen you and cause you to carry more load. That the coach comes alongside and says joy is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up your bones. That actually a wounded spirit, a crushed inner world, a negative heart can actually sap our strength and steal our vitality and even ruin our emotional and physical health. Now I'm not saying that if someone gets sick it's because they've not been joyful or that sickness is a punishment for not laughing. That's not <laughs> what we're saying. But the, 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 the writer of Proverbs is saying that a joyful heart does good like medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And Old Testament thinkers, when they talked about crushed bones, they understood that as emotional and physical health. So, so joy will make your life and a crushed spirit, a negative heart, actually ruins it. So I want to briefly talk about how to cultivate a heart of joy and how to take this really, really good medicine. That you and I are much more powerful over our heart culture than we realise. Yes. That Joshua is told by God that you can make your way successful, you can make your way prosperous. And he says to Joshua, if you choose courage, if you choose to meditate on promises, if you choose that, you can make your own way prosperous and successful. Joshua, if you choose not to give in to fear and anxiety and choose instead to meditate on the promises of what God has said, you can make your own way. That we are very, very powerful in our relationship with God. That we have the power to cultivate the garden of our heart. So if you imagine a garden, it can have all this potential, but it might be covered in rocks and stones and weeds and stuff that's been dumped there, like our garden was. 20 odd years of just someone dumping things over it. And we were finding all manner of things, bikes and car parts and sinks, because it had been dumped there. But we were able to cultivate it, bring out that stuff and able to cultivate the garden so that it could be useful. So you and I are really powerful in our relationship with God. you believe that? That we've actually got the power to, to choose. We've got the power to choose what we think about. We've got the power to meditate on promises and good things. We've got the power to cultivate our own hearts. And so Christmas actually can be a hard time because what it brings to the surface for many of us are the kind of weeds and rocks and stuff and memories and things that are in the garden of our heart that actually we need to cultivate, clear out, get weeded out, 
get rid of all the stuff that dries us out so that we can take the good medicine. So I'm going to really briefly look at eight things to, to get rid of out of the garden of our heart. And the first one is get rid of unforgiveness. Of all the things that can clog up the garden of our heart and steal our joy and dry out our bones the quickest, probably unforgiveness is there as one of the greatest. Christmas can bring to the surface the things that have been done to us. It can bring up old memories because we meet people who knew people and conversations can come up and unforgiveness can come to the surface again. We need to come to God and say, I choose to forgive. I choose to let go. I'm going to face the pain. I'm going to face this broken spot. I'm not going to hold this stuff any longer. I'm going to release it and choose to forgive them. I'm not going to let this become bitterness and anger. So unforgiveness. And although sin isn't necessarily something that can, can necessarily about Christmas, but sin is a real killer in the garden as well. David said in Psalm 32, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. You know, they, they, his bones are dry through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand, God's hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. David is saying there that unconfessed, unrepented of sin literally kills the garden of our heart. It, it, it is like rocks and weeds and stuff that just clogs up our, our hearts and clogs up the culture of our hearts. That it's actually impossible to truly be joyful and happy when your life is disconnected from God. That's, I know we live in a postmodern age where people say everything's relative and everything. No, that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. It's impossible... To know joy, that's good medicine, if in any way you're living disconnected from God. And I'm talking about what the Bible says about habitual stuff, stuff we do over and over again to numb the pain. There's a repenting of it, bringing it out in the open, telling God you're sorry. Another thing that can clog up the garden is words. Words, our negative, critical, judgmental words can crush our spirit. And this is where we have to be really vigilant around Christmas time about the stories and the gossip and the stuff that gets talked around the dinner table. Because the Christmas dinner table can be a great place and a terrible place for conversations about family, friends, people you know. People chew up the gossip and then leave the table feeling crushed and dry in spirit because negative, judgmental, harsh, blaming words actually dry up our, our hearts. Number four, disappointment. You might get to Christmas and say, and we sometimes evaluate the year that went before and we can feel maybe there's been some unmet expectations and disappointment can actually dry out our spirit. Um, We need to bring disappointment to God in absolute honesty and brutally honest with God without accusing God, without blaming God, But saying in all honesty, God, I thought by now. I thought you had promised. I felt you didn't come through like I thought you would have come through. 
Why wasn't that person healed? Why didn't that happen? Why am I not married? Where is the child that you promised? Why? And bring it out absolutely in brutal honesty, without accusing him, but saying to him, I know you didn't let me down. I know you're not cruel. I know you're not a cruel joke, God. It just felt like my hopes got up and I was disappointed. Bring it out and then come back and say, but I choose to trust you. I choose to believe you, and I choose to believe that you're a redemptive king who can work all things together for good, for my good and for your glory. The other thing that Christmas can bring up is, is regret. It can, we can find there's rocks and weeds in the garden of regret. It, beating ourselves up can be as crushing and as tormenting as bitterness. We can regret wasted time. Decisions we've made, things we have said we wish we'd not said, things we have done wish we'd not done, things we wish we had done but we didn't do. We need to come back to the gospel every single time we feel regret that Jesus carried our regret on the cross. He carried our guilt, he carried our shame, he carried our sin, he carries our regrets. He carries the places where we didn't live up to the standards we'd set ourselves. And he says, you know what, there's one who lived up to the most glorious, holy, perfect standards for you. And that gets credited to your account as if you had kept the perfect standards yourself. And so you live in the glorious identity where you neither attach your accomplishments to your identity. And you don't attach your weaknesses or your sins to your identity. That The Apostle Paul was able to say, I am the chief of all sinners. I can see inside my thinking and my actions all kinds of areas that I regret, all kinds of sins. And I can also see all kinds of accomplishments in churches that have got planted, but he neither attaches his accomplishments nor his sins to his identity. He says his identity is a much-loved son, holy, blameless, beloved, who has the righteousness of Christ. Number six, foreboding always anticipating that something bad is going to happen can be a rock that clogs up the garden of our hearts. That when you're in the moment of wonderful joy, lean fully into the wonder of the joy and don't pull back through the fear that something might go wrong. Lean right into it And the way to lean right into joy is through gratitude and thanksgiving for the moment that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. To instead of pulling back through fear, what if, what if, what if, lean right into it and say, I am so grateful for this moment in front of me right now. I'm milking it for all it's worth. It's a wonderful, glorious, God-given moment. Another thing that can crush us is jealousy. Comparing our lives to the highlights of others on social media. <laughs> that we we don't highlight we only see we only see the highlights. And then we compare our life and we become jealous. And finally, what can needs to be cleared out is all kinds of numbing. Christmas is numbingville, potentially. It has every possibility for numbing. There's opportunity for gossip, opportunity for drinking too much, eating too much, spending too much, and vegging out and too much TV. None of those things 
I'm not saying necessarily, I'm not saying alcohol's bad or food's bad. We're going to France this afternoon. There's going to be plenty of all the good things that, that God rich, he, he richly laid for the earth in that nation. The, prom, the, the promised land. <laughs> Numbing in any way numbs joy as well. It's, numbing is not selective. If you... If you could just numb the pain of disconnection without numbing joy as well, you might say, well, numbing's got quite a helpful thing. If in blaming and gossip I then came out more whole and joyful, you could say, no, no, it works. But it, in the long run, it never works. Numbing always numbs joy too. Let's land it with this. There is no convenient time to be joyful. No convenient time to be joyful. There is always stuff, there are always things, there are always unresolved areas, there's always work that needs to be done, there's always some form of relational stuff that's happening somewhere in your world. There's never a moment when you reach some wonderful panacea destination where you can say, now I can be joyful. And how do I know that? Because I've lived with destination disease for so many years. And I've never ever got to the place where I think, now I can choose joy. And now I can choose gratitude. There's always a reason to give your joy away. If we realise that joy is strength. That joy is capacity. That joy is health. That joy gives longevity. We would never give our joy away so cheaply. We would never give it away so cheaply to a delay or a disappointment, or, 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 or slower roads, or whatever else we give our joy away for. We would never give it away. When we focus on the gap between where we are and what we want, we miss the power of gratitude for the moment. And gratitude is fundamental for creating a joyful life. That a joy, joyful heart is not the result of personality or generic, ge- genetics. If I do an online test, I come out as a melancholic, 96% melancholic. If you want to know what a melancholic is, look at Winnie the Pooh. It's not Tigger, it's Eeyore. Yeah. <laughs> that's... that's that, that's, if there was an online test of which Winnie the Pooh character are you, I am Eeyore. <laughs> and I know God gives us personalities. And I'm more energised in the kitchen at a party than in the centre of a party. That's not changed. Maybe some would say you're just lazy. (laughs) But I do believe that joy is not a fruit of personality. It's a fruit of a person. That the joyful heart that does good like medicine is the fruit that God is so joyful. And God is so happy. And that God laughs. And that when God became flesh... People said, wow, this Jesus is anointed with an, with an oil of gladness above everyone else. The Bible probably couldn't contain all of his jokes and all of the funny moments. And, and maybe it does in some of his stories and the eye of the needle and all those things. God is joyful. You see, 
A person who has chosen joy and gratitude can be joyful even in the worst of circumstances. But a person who has an Eeyore negative attitude can find something wrong with absolutely everything. And it doesn't matter how wonderful or perfect it is, Eeyore always finds something that's not quite right and not quite the way I wanted it to be. But a grateful person who sees the grace and the hand of God in everything and celebrates the goodness of God in everything finds themselves living in the strength that joy provides. So, how can your joy tank be filled up this Christmas? The kind of call to action. That every joy-impaired area of your life, every area where you find joy is difficult can be solved through a trusting relationship with God. That every area of joylessness can be transformed through intimacy, relationship and connection with God. There's a song we used to sing when I went to Old Age People's Home. It's trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. There's something about trust, there's something about obedience, there's something about connection, there's something about the decision that says, I am not going to try and fix myself, I'm not going to run from my joylessness, and I will not numb the pain caused by disconnection. I will run to God, and I will open myself up to Him, and ask Him to touch my heart. Number two, so the first one is, connect with God over Christmas. Connect with God whenever you can. It doesn't have to take long. It is literally standing and saying, Holy Spirit, in this moment right now, I choose to connect with you. I choose to recognise that life is only found in you, that joy is only found in you. And I want to be filled again by who you are. We access joy through the practice of gratitude. That gratitude is the way home to joy. That if you were to find a joyful person, you would find that they are a grateful person. And it's not gratitude for just the extraordinary, it's a gratefulness and a gratitude for the ordinary, the everyday, the commonplace, the things that we take for granted. Amen. Because it's true that when life gets impacted by anything, It's not the extraordinary that we crave. We crave a restoration back to the ordinary, the everyday. We long for that moment that was just (coughs) ordinary and mundane and just easy to miss and walk past. We long for that. And so gratitude brings us home to joy. And finally... As we learn new practices to take this medicine three times a day of a joyful heart that does us good, we need to be kind and compassionate with ourselves because when we're going to a place we've never gone before, for some of us this might be new, for some of us we've been on the journey of joy for a long, long time, but for some of us as we think, I'm moving away from Eeyore and I'm going to a town called Tigger Town. <laughs> 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 and that when I'm going to Tigger Town, I might sometimes get lost and find my back my way back to Eeyoreville. 
because I'm not used to going to Tigger Town, and I actually in real life get lost all the time. Get lost all the time. I find it really easy to get lost. When you go to a new place, you get lost a few times. You think, how did I end up in blaming again? How did I end up numbing? How did I end up in unforgiveness again? How did I find myself back into discontentment? Or how did I find myself ungrateful again? I need to get back on the car because I'm going to Tigger Town. I'm going to a place of joy and gratitude. And eventually you find... Do you know, have you found this? When you go to a new place, you're really conscious of all the route and all the directions and all the turns. And then after a month, someone says, how do you get there? And you think, I've no idea how I got there. I just automatically get there. And that's the same with practices in God that transform our heart. At the beginning, they feel awkward and clunky and we get lost. Eventually, someone will say, how do you get such a joyful heart? Where did that come from? I don't even know how I got there. I just have got there. Then you backwards engineer it and find out, yeah, there's gratitude, there's joy and thanksgiving. So speak to yourself as you would a friend as you get there. Now, for some of you who've been around a while, you know that Steve Backland does some great laughing at lies. And we're going to finish this with some laughing at some lies. And he gets this idea of laughing at lies from Psalm 2, where it says that God laughs at what his enemies are planning and what his enemies are saying. So we're going to laugh at some lies. And he wants to stand... So, so we've got more air in our lungs, and if you're not used to laughing out loud, just give a little chuckle, but just try to go beyond where you've normally gone, and uh, as he would say, once you don't pull a laughter muscle, just in case your laughter is a bit rusty. So, we're going to laugh at some lies, and laughing isn't good for us. Dr. God says, watch some YouTube videos about dogs that speak over Christmas. <laughs> There's one particular one, there's a dog called Misha. Misha! It's really worth it, Misha says this. Misha tired! <laughs> Misha hungry! That's a, well, that's, that's a good that's a, Take that three times a day and uh, come back and see how that Misha video... Right. This is some lies around, it's not my personality to be joyful or march or laugh. Much. The first lie we're going to laugh at is joy is an optional fruit of the spirit and it's only for certain personalities. <laughs> Some of you sound like you're believing that. That was a. <laughs> I thought that was true. <laughs> Next one. The Bible was only speaking metaphorically when it said a merry heart does good like medicine. (laughs) 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 Just as some people don't have the right... (laughs) Just as some people don't have the right personality to be a loving person... I just don't have the right personality to be a joyful person. <laughs> John, Cam's got plenty to spare. Plenty to spare. We're just trapped in the car with Cam to, 
God regrets giving man a sense of humour. We should not trust the perspective of any Christian who laughs a lot. It's okay to cry in church, but laughter should be avoided and shunned. Last one. I cannot be joyful until my circumstances change. Yes, so God, we. We're going to choose to take your good medicine after every meal and before every meal. And we say thank you that your, your joy is good medicine to us. Thank you that the joy that's yours strengthens us. Thank you that joy increases our capacity to carry load. Joy increases our longevity. Joy gives us strength. And God, we're going to navigate Christmas season in the whole realm of different Christmas seasons that are in front of us with joy, with gratitude, with thanksgiving. And we're going to pause at the ordinary, the everyday, the easily missable, and say thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen.